We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. God, a beautiful Monday afternoon. How we doing? Carton and Roberts, Craig is down a, on sunny vacation for a couple of days. Checking out the family, making sure everybody's all right. Today, I don't know if you'll understand this reference, the mega powers come together. (laughs) Me and Keith McPherson for four and a half hours. How are you, sir? I like that you said mega powers because if we wanted to just talk sports, straight sports, from right now to the end, it'd probably be the best show we've had in a while on this station. Are you Wow, look at this guy. (laughs) Are you Hogan or are you Savage, by the way? Oh, I heard your reference. I guess I'm Hogan, brother. <laughs> oh, yeah, the macho <laughs> man. Now, you are the type of Yankee fan, tell me if I'm wrong here, who watched Anthony Volpe get a couple of hits, who watched Jason Dominguez hit a home run, who watched Clark Schmidt pitch brilliantly for a few innings, including unveiling that cutter. You are now fully convinced they're going to win the World Series, correct? <laughs> Am, nah. I, am I wrong here? Uh, I'm all in on winning a World Series. I've been for the uh, little bit of a drought the Yankees are in, but not from spring training. Uh, watching them in spring training is encouraging, but it's spring training. I'd like to remind people, it's it's spring training. You don't even know who some of these guys are on the field by the end of the game. You don't know who the guys pitching are. It's good. It's encouraging, but they're practicing. And uh, I think now in 2023, we just have so much coverage. I remember being young, and you couldn't see as many spring training games. You couldn't see all the videos from the reporters and every at-bat and all that stuff. So I'm trying not to buy too much into it. I think the Yankees are stacked again. I think they have a good team again and a good chance to make a run at it. But we ultimately all know what's standing in their way from getting back to a World Series. The evil bastards from Houston is basically what's standing in their way. It was very good for two days, and I'm not sure how much people watched because it is spring training. I acknowledge that. The games don't count. What are you really looking for? I just loved being able to turn that TV on over the last couple of days and see baseball. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I've heard a lot of hubbubaloo about this pitch clock. And I want to make something very clear, Keith. For many, many years, I feel like an old man saying this, for many, many years, every once in a while there'd be a conversation on this station Mm -hmm. where we would talk about baseball and baseball is dying and baseball needs this and baseball needs that. And what I'd always say for like a decade was that I love baseball. It's my favorite sport. It got me into sports. I love going to games. Baseball is my true number one. While I love the NFL and I love the NBA, it all started with my baseball. It's the first love. But the one thing I have felt for a decade and a half is that we've lost baseball. We lost it. Guys are too busy scratching their you-know-whats or stepping out of the batter's box or fixing their batting gloves, or pitchers are taking 54 seconds in between pitches, hello, Aroldis Chapman, hello, J. Riz Familia, that we needed a clock. So what I witnessed over the last 48 hours actually made me teary-eyed. Because for a long time, bro, I'm telling you, this is something I wanted so passionately because it's so needed. And as I was watching baseball for the last two days, Keith, I'll tell you something. I was never happier. (laughs) Because this is what it's supposed to be. And I'm an open-minded guy. I I don't like to say, you're stupid, or I don't understand your opinion. I try not to do that. I'm a friendly guy. But I want to be as kind as I can when I say this. If you call up this show today ripping the pitch clock, I wonder about you. I really do. I wonder what the hell you're thinking. I don't see the other side. I think the pitch clock is one of the great inventions in the history of baseball. What say you? Yeah, there's no going back now. What say, I mean, I'm watching this Mets game right now, back-to-back singles. Um, second one was by Tim LaCastro, former Yankee. So I'm listening to you, but I'm also watching the game. <laughs> and I was watching the games this weekend, and similar to you, I'm like, yo, I can't keep my eyes off of it. You can't take a break. You can't miss a pitch. The pitch clock is something that I, I said, okay, I'm not excited about it, but I'll give it a chance. And for so long, we've said there's no clock in baseball, right? That was like a thing for fans to say. Like, no clock in baseball sets the game apart. We needed this clock because it gives it a sense of urgency that the other sports have, whether it's um, the play clock, the shot clock, the power play. It just gives you this sense of urgency. Like, come on now. 
And I feel like these guys have gotten used to baseball being more like, all right, we take our time when I'm ready. And even the mind game of like, all right, I'm going to step in the box. I'm going to call time. I'm going to step out of the box, fix my gloves. Now it puts a sense of urgency on the pitcher, on the player, and I can't wait to see what it does to the fans in the ballpark. Well, I think the fans are going to pay attention. (laughs) That's what it's going to do. Like, you can't get distracted on your phone as easy. You can't go up, go to the bathroom, and only miss five pitches. Like, if Watch you, the game. Yes. <laughs> and it makes it easier to watch the game. And w- what boggles my mind is that many years ago, and I, I don't remember the exact year, I apologize, Major League Baseball wrote a rule that said, hey, you have to get in the batter's box. Hey, you have to throw a pitch. And believe it or not, I think the rule was 12 seconds. Except the umpires never enforced it. Not one time. You have been to hundreds of baseball games like I have. I never remember watching a baseball game and seeing an umpire actually enforce the rule. I think it was rule like 8-5. Not even kidding you. It was on the books. You have to throw the baseball within 12 seconds. But the umpires, we'll just blame Angel Hernandez because he's the worst umpire ever, decided never to enforce it. What this clock does and why I love it so much is they're enforcing a rule that's existed. Yeah. Except because there was no clock and because the umpires, for whatever reason, I don't know the reason why they didn't enforce it. They never did. So all we're seeing over the last few days, and I implore people, anybody who hates this, watch a freaking baseball game. Because the thing I'm noticing from the few people I've seen that hate this, they haven't watched a baseball game. I don't even think they watched yesterday's game. And I get it. It's spring training. I'm not forcing anyone to watch spring training. But watch a full baseball game and then actually tell me and tell Keith, Oh, yeah, that sucks. That's awful. It's too quick. I, I, I can't concentrate. People hate everything, though. It's just part of it, right? I, I think we said earlier, uh, you know, talking before the show, I want to hear from the people like you and I that go to the actual games, that come home and still watch late games. Like the actual fans. I don't want people helicoptering in and say, oh, this is ruining baseball. This is t- What are you talking about? This is good, right? You mentioned the umpires. Come on, Blue. You stay locked in, too. Right? Because sometimes between pitches, these guys get so long in between, they forget what's a ball and a strike. Their strike zone is changing. Mm-hmm. So keep them locked in as well with having to monitor the pitch clock, the pitcher, the hitter. Let's get it going. And I think baseball games, we're already seeing the numbers from this weekend. A lot of those games were fast. I think the Yankees had a game where they played over three hours. Whatever is going to happen. But for the most part, these games are going to be faster. And you're looking at the other sports. How long is an NBA game? You go see the Nets, it's two and a half hours. I go see the Devils, it's about two and a half hours. We're getting baseball closer to that two and a half hour mark where people won't be able to say the game is slow, it's boring, it takes forever. Well, think about it. You're also getting the same amount of action. Like, the same amount of pitches that would be thrown in a baseball game from a year ago that took three hours and ten minutes, you're going to get the exact same amount of action just in a smaller period of time. That's what you're doing. Like, we're not taking away baseball from anybody. You're not. Now, you're taking away the downtime from baseball, sure. You're taking away those moments. And I hate to pick on specific guys, but I swear to you, this has bothered me for a long time. So I know the names, Mm -hmm. and I'll name the names of guys who took forever. Jairus Familia and Aroldis Chapman. You guys embarrassed yourselves. I'm telling you right now. As a New York baseball fan, and this has nothing to do with performance, this has nothing to do with off-the-field stuff either. I'm talking strictly time between pitches. I watched you. I watched both of you. You abuse the system. I'll tell you another guy, your guy, A-Rod. A-Rod, how many times you got to adjust? Really? We get it's there. You don't have to adjust it 55 times. This guy was the king of taking his time. He needed all eyes on him. He needed to make sure everybody was watching. Of course. Get your beers, get back to your seat. A-Rod is batting. Of course. I mean, you know, and you mentioned Chapman, right? Well, if if you're not confident in what you're going to throw over the plate, you need a little extra time. I like what it's going to do to the pitchers and the hitters. I'm hearing about disadvantages for the hitters. or for the, I don't think there's any disadvantage. Be on your game. Be ready to go. We're live. Play ball. You're right. I, I'll give you something I found fascinating, and I figured this out during the offseason. There was a guy, there's a pitcher here in this town who used to be one of the slowest workers in baseball, and then he changed. He changed his pace to the point where last year he was one of the fastest working pitchers in all of baseball. And when I tell you the name, you're going to say, wow, that must have been a performance thing. Like, he went from working slowly and sucking Mm -hmm. to working fast and being awesome. And that guy's name is Edwin Diaz. Yeah, that's where I arrived in my head. Edwin Diaz (laughs) last year was the fastest working reliever in baseball. That's why. If you call up today, because I heard Pete Hoffman try to tell me this the other day. They try to say, what about late in game? What about the drama of late in games? You lose it. It's too quick. 
Did you not have drama Met fans last year? Did you like the ninth inning last year? Was that too quick for you? Because Edwin Diaz blew the pitch clock away last year because that was the rhythm he was pitching to, and apparently it worked for him, which is great for the Mets and great for Edwin Diaz. But I don't remember ever hearing a Met fan call this station and say, you know, I, I'm sorry, i got to bring this up. As great as Diaz has been, he's working too fast. No, nah, it's closing time. That's the whole point. <laughs> <laughs> the show's over. We're locking this down. I love it. Uh, remember your guy Stroman used to quick pitch guys? Yeah, yeah. Like, this is not really a new thing. What's new is that now you can physically see the clock, and that's one thing from the weekend we talked about. I'm like, is, okay, we don't know. Is there going to be a little bug, a little score bug next to the score bug with the you know clock running down? Is it going to be visible? And we're looking at spring training ballparks, not actual ballparks. So when we see it behind the batter, behind the ump, behind the catcher, that's you know just how they had it displayed at that park. I'm interested to see those two things. Once we get into the regular season, where is it displayed? I think you told me that it's really just going to be once it gets under, like, I don't know, seven, once we're really counting down. So on Friday, when they had, like, two spring training games, out of just morbid curiosity, I put it on my tablet Mm -hmm. just to see. And the clock was there at all times. It was right behind home plate. So my impression was, okay, the clock is going to be visible for us as viewers all the time. Apparently I was wrong because then on Saturday – when I'm watching Mets-Astros and eventually Mets-Marlins and the Yankees play the game, I'm noticing that the clock is not visible. They're figuring it out. It's spring training for the pitch clock, too, right? Do you want to see it, though? I don't I don't want to see it. Okay. I think if, if we see it, it stands out more. It's in your mind more. I agree. It becomes more of a thing. If we don't see it, the pace is just there, and the pace of play is faster, and everyone gets used to it quicker. I, I think I agree with you because initially I said it's kind of cool to see the clock. Then, after watching Saturday and Sunday, what they did on Yes and what they did on SNY, and I think this is what they're going to do, is you never see the clock, but in the bug, they will show you the number when it gets to 7. Yeah. So as that number is at 7, you'll start to see it. And watching these games yesterday, I watched the Yankees and I watched the Mets because uh, I'm not big of a loser. But I didn't score Sunday's game. I owned the Sun scored but yesterday's I game. I watched, but I did score it. <laughs> Got to add that. <laughs> I'm not that big of a loser. I'm not scoring every spring training game. But it, it, was, it was sort but of you cheating. you thought about it. You thought about it. <laughs> it went through my mind. Well, the funny part is my oldest son loves baseball, right? And, and I think this is interesting for a kid like him. He's six years old, right? Yeah. They have no attention span. And he says to me, Daddy, I want to score tonight's game. I was like, oh, okay. I'm not going to, but you can. So I guess I was scoring, like, via him. And in the first inning, this is what my son says about the uh, the pitch clock. He looks up and says, I don't think I like it. I said, excuse me? <laughs> At six, he I hasn't said, seen it, much baseball. But I said, well, what are you talking about? He's like, well, Dad, it takes me time to put down the ball and to write the play in. I don't have enough time. He'll I develop. Said, You'll develop that, Jet. <laughs> You're, you'll be fine. By the fifth inning, he loved it. So he, he's... Quick learning. <laughs> well, yeah, because it is noticeable at first. Yeah. Like, it jumps out at you because we are so accustomed now to pitchers and batters. I want to blame everybody equally on this. Taking forever in between pitches. Like, you're used to it. I'm used to it. So to see that kind of pace change initially, it feels weird, no doubt. In my house, I'm, like, doing laundry, cleaning up. And I think someone walked. Maybe it was Oswaldo Cabrera. And I'm like, wait, I missed that. <laughs> like, you have to watch the game because a five-pitch walk can happen that fast. You can't look away. You can't go check on the dryer because you're going to miss pitches. And I like that. Baseball is a game where, like I said, I feel like you give these guys an inch, they take a mile, right? And it's all a, a mind game. Let's throw off this pitcher's timing. Let's mess with this guy. Let's step out. Let's No, let's go. Let's throw the pitch over the plate. Let's get action. And with these new rules, I think it's going to be an exciting season. And we're stepping into the future of baseball, which has been needed for a long time. No doubt. And look, there's a lot of things in baseball that you and I would disagree about. I'm just assuming because you're a Yankee fan that you've probably always wanted the DH to come to the National League. Mm, I, I've just never really had a hard stance on it. Okay, fair enough. I, I know I, some people, no, you can't ruin National League baseball. This well, has been, but like, what it, do you do you okay? So here's a perfect example for you: Masahiro Tanaka yeah. against the Mets gets on base. I think he he strained both his hamstrings running around. I don't want to see these pitchers get put in athletic positions where they have to hit, where they have to steal bases, where they have to run. Let these guys focus on pitching and let the professional hitters be see, the hitters. See, I disagree with you, and I'm not going to relitigate the DH debate, but I understood where you were coming from. I lost the debate, okay? The DH has now taken over the National League, and I've accepted it. I don't really have any other choice. But I used to fight 
and argue with guys and gals about the DH. I would argue even about interleague play. But I could see your side of things. I want to be as nice as I can when I say this. I don't see the other side of the pitch clock. I've heard people try to make points, and I think all their points are flawed. I don't mean to sound like a jackass, but it's true. Like these people, I haven't heard one viable they response. They hate to hate. They have to counter. They can't like it. I think I heard a caller today talk about you know like baseball is supposed to be. I don't care what it's supposed to be. We're moving into the future. There's going to be no more Sundays of you just listening to the radio and there's a minute between pitches because this guy stepped out. This pitcher needs a new ball. We saw that with uh, Karen Check from Cleveland. He, right. he tried to, oh, I need a new ball. <laughs> hey, it's spring training for the pitch clock as well. And then I also heard that the World Baseball Classic is not going to have the pitch clock and the new rules. Yes. So that's kind of counterproductive to the guys going and playing in that tournament and then having less time adapting and then stepping right into Major League Baseball. So but I'm going to give you a weird view on why no rules for the WBC is the best thing that could ever happen. Mm-hmm. For anybody out there right now that thinks I'm crazy or Keith's crazy and hates the pitch clock, watch the World Baseball Classic. I want you to watch it. I want you to watch that after you watch the spring training game or two. Then I want you to come back and watch spring training again. And I dare you, I defy you to say that was better baseball. You won't. won't. You won't won't say it because it's not true. Because it's going to take an hour and a half every time a Cuban pitcher wants to change pitches. I've seen it. And that's what it is, too, right? We're taking teams from Japan, the Netherlands, Mexico, Cuba, the Dominican. Like, all of these different players from different countries. You can't implement Major League Baseball's totally. new rules on these guys. But 100%. I'm 100% with you. When we do watch from March 8th on the World Baseball Classic and we get to see the contrast, the difference, give it a couple weeks. And it is, it's like two weeks from now, not even. March 8th is is the week after this one. We will now be accustomed. You, your eyes and your mind, it's going to be trained quickly. We will be accustomed to how fast the game is or at least how much action we get okay, this guy's on first, here's another hit, versus the World Baseball Classic where it's like, hey, the ball hasn't been put into play for the last 10 minutes. Yeah, I I remember I went to the first ever WBC in 06, and the pace of play was slower than regular baseball. And it jumped out at me because the finals that year, if memory serves correct, was Japan against Cuba. So you saw a lot of guys we'd never seen before because those guys hadn't defected from Cuba, and a lot of the guys on Team Japan just hadn't come over to the United States. Mm -hmm. And a lot of Japanese pitchers work real slow. Daisuke Matsuzaka was famous for it. Just worked really, really slow. I think it's one of the adjustments Kodai Senga is going to have to make, not only coming to Major League Baseball, but coming over to the U.S. They work at a slow pace. I don't know the reason. It is what it is. And I remember watching those games saying, this is different. This is way too slow. And baseball sort of morphed into that over the last decade and a half. So when you watch, if anybody chooses to, because I don't know if anybody cares about the WBC, but if you put it on for a few innings, the difference is going to be so obvious. Yeah. And the other thing people could do, and I'm crazy enough where I've done this, watch old games. Put a game on from 20, 30 years ago. Dude, the pace of play was it. different. Yeah, they're getting after it because they're competing. <laughs> and I want to throw a strike. I want to get you out. I want to work quickly, especially if you're if you're a pitcher in a groove or if you're a hitter coming back to the plate and you, you saw the ball that you're first at bat, you're feeling good about yourself, you want to get back. In the box, the one thing I don't like. Go. What do you What do you not like? I enjoy walk-up songs. I enjoy Yankee Stadium <laughs> turning up. Number 99, Aaron Judge. And you hear Pop Smoke, I'm the king of New York, mellow. Like, everybody has right. a moment as Judge is like, and like, Judge, like, just using him as the example, he like has this like strut to him. It's not a cocky strut. It's just like, I know I'm the boss. I know I'm the man out here. And then he comes to the plate, and then everybody's locked in because you know he's going to do something like hit a home run or extra base hit. Them rushing these guys to the plate, I think that the, at least, like, let us get the walk-up songs. Don't shorten the walk-up songs. Let these guys get their time to step up to the plate, and don't cut that shorter. Yeah, you know what's funny? The, I think the number's 30 seconds in between batters. I don't have a problem with that. Like, that's fine because I never thought that was an issue. Like, watching baseball over the last decade and a half, I never thought there's too much time between batters. I always thought there was too much time in between pitches. Mm -hmm. So if you want to give guys more time so they could dance their way to home plate to their walk-up song, that's fine. I'm not going to argue about that. I enjoy that. I think that's a part of the game that we don't need to take any time from. I get speeding it up, but speed it up, like you said, in between pitches. That's where we can really, like, put a sense of urgency. That's all this is to me. Watching it, and, you know, I'm a new hockey fan, what – 
like got me about hockey going to see it live, you can't look at your phone. You can't look down. You're right. Somebody's firing that puck. Someone's got a feed to another guy and an assist, boom, and it's like you miss it if you look down for a second. In baseball, it's going to become more like must-see TV, and I can't wait to see what it's like in the ballpark. I told you the bleacher creature's going to be out there. There's going to be 20 seconds on the clock. Bleacher creature's going to be like, 10, <laughs> 9, 8. <laughs> well, I love the fact that Max Scherzer, right off the top, is telling you his strategy, and we saw it yesterday, where a batter gets one timeout. So they use their timeout early in the at-bat. They've got to be set by the 8-second mark. So they've used their timeout, batter set at the 8-second mark, and Max Scherzer now owns the hitter. Mm-hmm. He stands there and decides when in these eight seconds do I want to pitch. He can't call timeout again, so he waits on me. And that's like the new cat and mouse game. Like yeah. everybody loves cat and mouse games Figure in baseball. There's a new cat and mouse game. It's a new strategy to baseball. And I'm, dude, I'm loving it. I thought the last 48 hours of baseball was was so needed, and I can't wait to watch it in the regular season because I think it was necessary. And I'm so glad it's happened. And I think anybody out there right now that doesn't love it, you're going to realize real soon how wrong you are. It's the greatest change to baseball in the last 40 years. And I use 40 years because that's my time, I guess, on this earth as a baseball fan. I'm about to turn 40. There's nothing they've done. Certainly not interleague play, the DH, the expansion of the wild card. Nothing has been as good as this. Yeah, it creates excitement around the game. People that don't really watch the game are like, oh, new clock? Pitch clock? Oh, let me watch a little bit and let me see what's going on. There's all these people tweeting about this and why I just pointed to the TV. Shout out to Tony Rassiope. Tony Rassiope is a quarterback coach. He's at the Met game, Mets fan, with his entire family. Shout out to his wife and his Look two kids. Look at that. Tony Rassiope, a guy I looked up to. I went to see him down at Rowan years ago. He is a quarterback coach that coached Kenny Pickett, and I'm connected to from Ocean Township High School. Kenny Pickett, I played quarterback. I I like to tell people I crawled so Kenny could walk, or better yet, I walked so Kenny could run. You could also claim you discovered Kenny Pickett. You go with that. I I knew about him when he was 11, coming to Big Red Football (laughs) Camp. I'm on with Evan, and I look at the TV, and it's hard for me to not watch this Mets game right now. I'm paying attention. Look at you. And uh, the camera goes to the crowd, and our old pal, well, my pal, Tony Rassiopi, who is a quarterback coach, QB guru, uh, who definitely helped Kenny Pickett, was with Kenny Pickett at the Combine last year, throwing in the hallways. We're coming up on the Combine. That was a a cool moment for me to see a guy from my town on screen. And he's getting to do what every person should do once in their life, hang out at spring training and watch meaningless baseball. Wish I could go. Wish I could be down there. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Life has changed, so I don't do it very much often, that's for sure. The Puerto Rico test. I'm going to tell you a story. And I need you to be honest with me. With me, I don't want you to be afraid of what people are going to think about you. I've gotten over that. You uh, gotten over that? <laughs> about a year ago. I was going to say a long time ago. It's been a while now. It is what it is. All right. I don't want you to be afraid of what uh, your nighttime producer, Paul Rosenberg, is going to think of you. I don't want you to be afraid of what I'm going to think about you. I want you to be honest. All right. So I'm going to tell you a little story. My dad, who you've met, we've hung out in a net game once. My dad hates the New York Yankees. He does, passionately. To the point where when the Yankees won the pennant in 1976, he said to my mom, his wife, I'm leaving the freaking country. I'm so disgusted by this. I cannot stay in New York. I cannot watch the Yankees in the World Series. It's been over a decade since I've seen it. I hated it then. I hate it now. So my dad took my mom to Puerto Rico, and they spent a week and a half. Now, little did my dad know The Yankees would get swept by the Cincinnati Reds in the World Series. That's irrelevant. He didn't know that. (laughs) You know what was going to happen. So my dad said and announced to the world, I hate the Yankees so much, I'm willing to fly to Puerto Rico to ditch town. Now, I have an answer, if you ask me, Evan. Job aside, we have to put the job aside. We're obviously real professionals here. We care about our shows. Bleep that, okay? Job aside. Is there a team that if they advanced to a World Series or a Super Bowl or a Finals or a Cup where you'd say, you know what, I got to get out of the country. I can't live with the fans. I can't live with the media. I can't live with the people. I need to be like Evan's dad. I need to get the hell out of town. Go ahead, Craig, the flop, Craig. Keith, the floor is yours. I wonder what Craig would say. (laughs) But me, I've lived through it. You know, I, I've lived through the Red Sox breaking the curse. 
I grew up telling Eagles fans, you'll never win a Super Bowl. I've lived through them winning the Super Bowl. And in the NBA, there's no team that I really hate like that. I mean, the, the Knicks, I don't hate. There's just an obvious, obvious rivalry here. But, like, if they want, I would want to see it. I, I, I want to see any of these teams in New York win. It's been so long. I don't have a team that I'd have to get away. Now, like, did I watch the Red Sox win the World Series? I couldn't wa- I can never really watch the Red Sox win a World Series. Disgust me. I like, I can't stomach. And you've have to watch them win a few World Series. I've, since since the curse was broken, I've had to watch them win a few. There is not one team that I hate to the point where I can't stomach it, can't be around. But it was a good excuse for your dad to go to Puerto Rico. <laughs> I love Puerto Rico. It's a great place. So uh, I get that. You're full of crap. There's not a team that no, I hate. No, 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 no. The Mets? Are you going to say the Mets? I don't I don't hate the well, Mets. Well, I hate the Mets fans. Well, Just kidding, Mets fans. Just but wait kidding. a second. That qualifies, by the way. Well, I think if the Mets win the World Series and they have a parade, I'm going to attend. And I might attend and decide, ah, uh, this ain't for me. Like, I thought about going to opening day. I think I had someone with a ticket for me for opening day this year. And then I watched it online. I'm like, I don't belong in that party. It's a sea of blue and orange. I'm like, no, no, no. It's it's not for me. So, so my honest answer, and I think anyone who listens to me would know my honest answer is the New York Knicks. I would now. I wouldn't because of the show. But if you took the job aside, I would leave the freaking country if I had to watch the Knicks in NBA Finals. It'd make me sick. And I'll be perfectly honest. It's most of the fans, and I know that's most people listening. I respect some of you. A lot of you drive me nuts, just like I drive you nuts. It's like this fair balance, okay? We all love, hate each other, all right? So no one has to take it personal. I would leave the bleeping country. I would. I know your answer. And by the way, it's not the Red Sox, because I was asking Big Mac this too. He knows about the Puerto Rico test. It's not the Red Sox, because the beauty of the Red Sox is you could ignore it. Like, we're in New York. If the Red Sox are in the World Series, we don't have to spend all day talking about it. You can almost avoid its existence. The Eagles are in the Super Bowl, which is something that you and Giant fans can share. You don't like the Eagles. It's a bond that a Cowboy fan like yourself, he's a Cowboy fan, ladies and gentlemen, and Giant fans can share. But, you know, you can kind of avoid it. Like, you heard Super Bowl week. We talk a little Super bit about Bowl's the game. Super Bowl's kind of hard to avoid. World it's, Series is easier to avoid. There's it's, NFL going on, basketball stuff. It's easier, but you can avoid it in terms of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It's not the lead story everywhere, you know? Yeah. It's all the rat. Once you get to Sunday, yeah, you can't avoid it. So, to me, it's always a local team. It's a team that's in this town. And what makes our city so special is that we have multiple teams. And I find it really difficult to like one team and quote unquote root for the other. Come on now. No, it doesn't exist. I know a lot of people say, Oh, I'm a New Yorker, I want but but you gotta pick a side, and that's part of it. Like we're on different sides in the same area for a reason. The town is big enough we're split. for the both of us, but it's not. Like I don't but I like the Mets went to the World Series in twenty fifteen. I honestly wasn't actively rooting for the Kansas City Royals. I wasn't rooting for that. I didn't have a but, dog in but the fight. Keith, in 2023, when you and Met fans go at it on Twitter, which is great, got no problem with it. It's all fun. You don't want to be in that world. The world of the Mets in a World Series, and you're on the fan having to talk about it no, and I having will. to hear it and having I'm to digest fan. it, it will drive you nuts. Are they facing the Astros? They're facing the Toronto Blue Jays mm. and Vladimir Guerrero I'm Jr. I'm for the Mets. I don't believe you. I'm rooting for the Mets. <laughs> I don't believe you. Oh, he better be telling the truth. I'm of course, we're rooting for the for the Mets. Uh, Mets. Yeah, uh, hold on a second. Do you believe you believe Keith? Yes. You do? Yes. Loogie, as a Mets fan, do you believe? Keith? I don't believe a word. <laughs> Sorry, there's no shot, bro. Because again, you're living with us Mets fans. You're going on Twitter. There's no escaping us. And I'm telling you right now, you have no idea but the thunder lose, and pain that's coming if from you the Mets. Lose fans. that World Series. If, I get to turn this mic on and say, ah, oh, well, you, you were close again, yeah. <laughs> 2015, 2000, yeah. and I get to live in that. But yeah. if there's a parade, like I said, I'm pulling up to the You're party. Going Where's to the, the party parade? LGM, gonna... uh, Seven Lines, <laughs> send me an invite. Where are we going? Are you? And, and by the way, I also think you're full of crap with the Knicks because... Rightfully so. You and I had our fun over the last few years in theory. Ooh, we got KD. We got Kyrie. Yeah, that did a lot for us. If the Knicks go on a championship run, and while they're winning, they're enjoying our misery, you're telling me you're rooting for them against the Warriors in the NBA Finals? Excuse me? It's not going to be the Warriors. Oh, you know, whatever. The Portland Trailblazers because <laughs> Dame is going it. 70. I, I, I mean, I don't think the Knicks are good enough to get to a Finals. That's not the point, though. 
Yeah, I don't. I, 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 I wouldn't hate on it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't hate on it to the point where I'd have to leave the country. <laughs> it wouldn't get under my skin to the point where I would have to escape. I might not be a fan of the team, but I would watch, and I'd, I'd not root for them to lose, but I'd be ready to rock the mic if they did lose. You're rooting for them to lose, though. That's basically rooting for them to lose, which. Again, depends. totally all right, man. Against. It's totally all right. Like, I'm not mad at that. That's no, who we are. I, like I said, I can I can appreciate these Mets. I can appreciate these Knicks. We are seeing a change in both of those franchises. I know, you, you know you're know you on one side <laughs> of one and the other, but, like, I can appreciate the sports of it, like the basketball of it. The Like, the Knicks right now are doing what – they couldn't figure out how to do in the beginning of the season. Absolutely. They're getting I back healthy. I they, they got another piece. They're winning games. I'm not mad about that, even with what it feels like right now to be a Nets fan. Feels like it's over right Have now. Have you been to uh, Nets Knicks at Madison Square Garden? I stopped going. You stopped going. That's not a place for Nets fans. <laughs> I'll be there. if you. It's, had... it's become more of a place for Nets fans now that the Brooklyn Brigade right. goes and has a section, and you hear, let's go Nets, Brooklyn chants. Right, right. But I went in twenty like fifteen. I think twenty eighteen was the last time I went, because it's that is the Knicks building. It's Madison Square Garden. You can come in there with your Nets energy, and you're gonna have to hear it from the guy behind you, to the right of you. Oh, in front I know. Of you, but that kids, grown men, women, like doesn't that moment, doesn't that memory kind of remind you how you should feel if they ever went on any kind of run? Like that that doesn't resonate in your head. You don't hear those sounds. They're not gonna that you go heard. on a run. We just celebrated fifty years since their last championship. <laughs> I love how you're taking shots at them in the meantime, which I, yeah, I respect. I'm just being honest. Like as a fan of the sport, I can separate my fandom from the sport and say, This is good for the Mets. This is good good for baseball. And if they win the World Series, I'll see you at the parade. The Knicks, I do think they have a good team, but like what are they actually like the ceiling for the Knicks, in my opinion, is maybe getting out of the first round, depending on who they draw. They're not going to make a run. No, no, I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just saying if they nah, did. I'll be able to stomach it. I'll be able to handle it because I've seen it. Yeah. Right now, the thing that bothers me most is that the Houston Astros swept the Yankees. Four games. We got two in Yankee Stadium. It, they might as well have been in well, Houston. Well, hold on. So if the Mets played the Astros in the World Series, you would easily root for the Mets? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. That's okay. not even so close. So the Mets would then, let's say they handled them, they would do what your team couldn't do and you'd Congra- be okay with that? Congratulations, oh, Mets it. fans. You stop beat us. I've said it on my show. I said now with, with Steve Cohen, right, the Yankees, there's pressure. And this is another dynamic from the Nets and, and Knicks. With the Nets moving to Brooklyn, it put pressure on the Knicks. There's another ticket in town. No, I get that. But in, in 1999... When the Mets had this hard-fought NLCS against the Braves, they were down 3-0, they forced the game six, they blew game six, could never beat the Braves, couldn't beat them in 1999. And now the Braves get to the World Series, and they play your New York Yankees. Mm -hmm. And when you guys swept them like it wasn't a big deal, like they were going out for a nice jog in the walk on a fall afternoon. You didn't feel good about that? I was disgusted. I needed to take so it many It was for free- the city, Evan. Oh, my God. It was for New York, for Evan. the city? Yes. I was disgusted by we're, that. We're divided, but at the end of the season, if it's coming down to New York versus Atlanta, oh. you didn't feel good about hey, they didn't, no. they didn't beat our neighbors. They didn't no. beat our brothers. They didn't no, beat... I- I said to myself, we couldn't beat them. We never could beat them. And then not only did the Yankees beat them, they beat them without breaking a sweat. John Rocker's giving up RBI singles to Paul O'Neill, And it's like, yeah, whatever. And you sweep them? You York, think baby. I was content with that? I wanted to leave the country except I was in high school and I had no choice yeah, or money. See, part of it is more so the fandom because you knew you'd have to deal with obnoxious Yankees fans <laughs> for the whole winter into the next season, and that is a lot to deal with. You it's don't the think fans. You, it's not the team. I agree. You <laughs> don't think you would have to deal with your reputation now, which has been growing and growing. You're a big star. You don't think you would deal with Met fans if, God forbid, they won the World Series? I, I deal with Mets fans every day. Yeah, but after winning? Forget about now. They lost oh, in the, the wild card series. the battery in their back would be... What's the biggest battery size out there? D? The battery in their back would be even bigger. But it wouldn't bother me. I like this stuff. At the end of the day, it's just sports. It's entertainment. It's fun. Like, I'm not running from it. All right. When the, when the Yankees got swept, I was right here doing my job. I left the stadium... <laughs> no, I sure think I think game three I watched most of that. You left the game early? 
I, I think, well, anytime I leave early, I have to come here and host. Forget, forget the work stuff. That's different. Have you left the game early because no. you were before, so embarrassed by getting Before working at WFAN, I never left the game early. Oh, and that goes enough. back to the conversation about pace of play. I go into Yankee Stadium with the intention of singing Frank on the way out. Not, not the, you know, negative way when they play it after losses where we're like, turn that off. You know, I, I go there with the intentions of getting a win. I don't care if it takes five hours. But... We'll see, man. I don't, I don't, I don't feel like that. Uh, I think there's a good yeah. chance for people to hear me. Like, right. I, I don't hate the Mets. I'm okay. watching the Mets. They're, they're an all-star team. I don't hate the Knicks. I'm looking at the Knicks. Like, okay, finally they figured it out. And I think the future is bright for them when you look at what picks they have and the young talent they have. But I'm not gonna be the type of guy that's like, I have to get out of Dodge. Yeah, I have to escape. This. I gotta, I gotta bring out the hate of him, uh, Lugie. You I think there's an inner hate that needs to be like brought out. And I think I think that'll happen at some point. It hasn't happened yet. Well, I don't I want that hate credit. to come out of me where I'm changing my lifestyle. <laughs> it's a good hate. It's just a sports hate. I can go home and turn the TV off. <laughs> I can disconnect. Yes. Well, we welcome SNY. Of course, they're delivering the show brought to you by Grubhub. Uh, Emilio is in Staten Island. What's up, Emilio? What's up, Evan? Hi. You're a typical Met fan. Now, I have a brother and his kids that are Met fans. The rest of us are Yankee fans. Yeah. I get a kick out of you talking about the Yankees. <laughs> I, I do. It's, okay. It's, it's, you know, it's the little sisters of the poor. <laughs> we, we played you guys once. Yeah. Wet and matted, right? Yeah. And what happened? You, you kicked our asses, and it still haunts me okay. to this day. So until you make it to the World Series against the Yankees and rectify that, you really should leave the Yankees out of your mouth because you make yourself look petty and stupid. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is why Emilio there are Met fans who you. live with that fear of the Yankees winning another World Series. I mean, but <laughs> if it happened, would you not go to parties in the parade? If it happens this year, right, because we're going to touch the money again. Mm -hmm. We're going to be talking Subway Series, Mets, Yankees, who has the better – if it happens – where the Yankees win the World Series during the Steve Cohen window where he said, we're going to win a World Series yeah. in three to five years. Yeah, what would, what would I do? Are you going to take off? No, or are no, you going to host the listen. show? No, 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 no. I, obviously, I ain't going anywhere. I was on the air after Kevin Durant's foot was on the line. I've seen it all, all right? Carlos Beltran struck out looking, did the overnight that night. So, obviously, I ain't going anywhere. But I wouldn't be happy. And I think Emilio You don't have uh, to be happy, but Emilio's you don't have to be disgusted to the point where you're getting on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've never done that. That was just what my dad did. Right? Yeah, see, but back then was different. What year was that? That was 1976. So that was before the Mets won in 86, 10, 10 years before. So, a, so I can't speak on the time, but I'm just guessing that it was a time where it was like, hey, you know, the Yankees are the Yankees and the Mets aren't there. And it's, it's it's a weird time because the Yankees were going through a drought. Remember, they went through a really rough time, late 60s, early 70s, and this was their first year out of the drought in terms of getting back to where they were, which is going to a World Series. They had broken a 12-year drought. The Mets had won a championship in 1969, had won a pet in 1973. So it was actually sort of recent where the Mets had more success. So I don't know what was going through my dad's mind other than, oh, my God, they're back. I thought they were gone. I thought it'd have to do with he, he that. He worked with a few Yankees fans, and there had to be at least one guy that didn't let him walk into work without saying something about the yes. Yankees, didn't let him leave work without reminding him about the Yankees. So he took off so he could you know, get away from his coworkers. Yes, clearly. And it there was, was a, no Twitter for him back then. No. There was no social media for him to... No, it was it was uh, some type of relationship. Text your dad. Say, Keith wants to know, who, who were you trying to avoid specifically? <laughs> There was definitely one or two people that you couldn't face. You did not want to see. And then the Yankees end up losing. They so. ended up getting swept. That's the irony of the whole thing. Like, it's not as if I'm telling the story of 77 or 78 or 96 or 98 or 9. You know what I mean? I'm talking about a year in which they actually got swept in the World Series, which never happens. Any excuse to go to Puerto Rico is a good enough excuse for me. Hey, that's yeah, true. What do you do the next two years? That's what's funny about it, right? Because he left in 76. The next two years, they win the World Series. Kind of dealt with it, I guess. Yeah. At that point, it was, I got to face the music. You know, it's still kind of new that Jake is not on this team. And I saw... Something really interesting yesterday. And I, I like Paul, uh, Paul Heyman. John Heyman. He used to come on our show a lot. But I know show a lot. But I know John Heyman's agenda. It's very, very obvious. 
he's clearly mad at DeGrom because either he didn't like Jake's politics or he didn't like that Jake didn't give him interviews. So Heyman, for the last two months, has taken shot after shot after shot at DeGrom. He wants to write a piece about Verlander. Let's take a shot at DeGrom. And it's become obvious and it's become painful. But the other day, Jacob DeGrom is a smart guy. He fed the animals. He said, okay, you want to keep taking shots at me? I'll give you your exclusive interview. I'm going to give it to you, all right? I'm going to give you your quotes, and then maybe your single white female obsession you have of me will go away. (laughs) I'm going to try. So Jake gave an interview to John Heyman in the New York Post and basically said what any sane person knew. I thought I'd be back. I liked New York. The Texas Rangers gave me a lot of money in a lot of years. And while he didn't say that point blank, that's the impression I got from him. He said, I'm not bitter about the old contract I had. I signed it. But basically said, I never disliked New York. That's not why I'm gone. Anyone would realize the reason he's gone is because one team gave him five years at $36 million a clip, and the other team wasn't willing to give him more than two years. That's why he left. And so it's fascinating to me that Jake finally gave the interview to a publication and to a guy who spends all his time taking cheap shots at him. So keep an eye on this, everybody. Let's see if the cheap shots stop. Let's see if feeding the animals actually worked. Now that I got that off my chest, you ready to troll? Go ahead. Troll, Mr. Troll. You got something to say? I got advice. Don't let this go on forever. Don't let this guy live rent-free in your head. I said that. A couple months back when uh, I think I was listening to Lugie and he was talking about the article where Buck Showalter and DeGrom allude to like there's a real story. There's more than we know about right. what, what went on and one day we'll get that story. Fast forward to, to now today we have this latest story. This is going to keep going on. Move on. It's obvious why he's no longer a Met. It's a money thing. He took an offer that he could not refuse. If you let this guy live rent free. And I already know you're planning on doing this. You're going to watch the Mets, and then you're going to stay up to watch Rangers versus <laughs> Oakland A's in the Coliseum. You're going to score his games. You're going to be watching his every move. It's going to consume you. You're trying to win a World Series with the club that you have. He's a part of the old Mets. He's not part of these Mets. It doesn't matter what stories are told or who says what. The reality is his time is over here. And like you said, you know, he's gone. There's nothing we can do about it. Yeah, but my issue with you is the night he left, you gave us no time to grieve. You tweeted right at me. Oh, that's me. not my job. My job's not to give you. <laughs> that's, that's not in my job, job description. No, when the, when the mic's on, I got to go with what I feel. And I feel like talking to Yankees fans as I do every single day, the Yankees fans were like, oh, wait, what happened? Yeah, because you You've never... got the big money owner. You got the new George Steinbrenner in town. Right? There's a new sheriff in town. He can buy everyone. He didn't pay to keep your guy? Yeah, well, why? Wait, that's your modern-day Tom Seaver. Why didn't they pay to keep him, though? And that was my question. Like, my question was, and it's still there. Because, like, Kyrie, he doesn't show up for work. Oh, come on. Don't compare the two. (laughs) Don't compare the two. Jacob DeGrom had injury problems the last two years. How could I deny that, right? He pitched in 2020. He pitched in 2019. He pitched in 20. Like, I keep going. Like, the guy had injuries for two for years. lately? How many starts was it last you know, year? You know what he did 11, for me? 11, you know 12 did for me? with the postseason, you know, something like that? You know what he did for me lately? He and won no that one this. game in the wild card He was series. the only starting pitcher, and that includes Big Money Max, who showed up. Whether it was the series against Atlanta, we're all killing him for six innings, three runs. You know what? I would have signed for six innings, three runs from the other stiff. He didn't exactly give that. So what has he done for me lately? You're right. He missed the first half of the year. What he did for me lately is he showed up in October. And I can't say that about any other, really anybody outside of Jeff McNeil. Well, they didn't want to invest in him potentially not showing up again or him not being available again. I will say about DeGrom, he shows up. He knows when it's a big game. He knows when he's needed. Uh, He'll have six. You think, he faked an injury? you think he faked an injury? I, I won't say that, that anyone faked an injury. Then what are you I'll saying? I'll never know. What I'm saying is he knows when it's not important. He knows when he can take his time. He knows when he doesn't have to physically be there. He was there at the end of the season. So what drives me nuts is you're saying something a lot of people think. I want you to know that. Like, you're not saying something crazy. There are a lot of Met fans, Met fans that is, who are going to say, thank you, Keith. He's speaking the truth. Yet I think you and everyone else, I think you guys are so full of crap. Like, what are you talking about? He had a scrapula injury. 
Love like, is blind. It was a real. You're right. Love is blind. You're right. Don't use my love against me. He had real <laughs> you injuries. Love Grom. You'll never see through the fact that like this guy was not available the last two seasons. Yeah, he, he wasn't was here. because he was hurt. Yeah, but like there's a difference hurt. between being hurt and injured. Injured is you you can't go. Why did he have to when when I was following him last year, I'm like, how many minor league starts is this guy gonna make? That's the Mets being careful though. Why do you have to why do you have to be so careful with a guy that's gonna command two hundred million dollars the next offseason? You wanna be careful because they prioritized October. And and by the way, going into this season, less so with Cole, because he really is reliable. I give him a lot of credit. I'd do the same thing. I'd prioritize making sure that my old men starting pitchers are ready to go when it matters the most. Jake is old? No, no. Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander. In oh, DeGrom's now. case, it was more that he wasn't healthy. And that's why you were managing being careful. You have to. Because as we saw last year, you could have a two two five ERA. That's great. If you suck in a postseason game. It's do or die. You the see end. the way people react? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I look, I look at DeGrom. As a guy that wasn't available enough, I look at DeGrom as a guy that was all you had for a while, right? Yes. It was oh, DeGrom day. You could look forward to that. Might not have any run support for the guy, but you you know what he's going to be when he's on the mound. He already took a discount. He took less from the Mets. He, he wasn't going to take less from the Mets again. So here we are where, you know, you have Steve Cohen. He can buy everyone. He's, he's the greatest owner of all time, all this stuff. But, like, the one thing that Mets fans can look at him sideways about you didn't lock up DeGrom, and we were sure of that. We were sure that you were going to, like, our guy, make sure that he didn't play in another jersey, and now he lives rent-free in Mets fans' heads, and he's going to be a Texas but Ranger. Is he living rent-free in my head? Because I think I speak for the minority who say, hey, I love Jake. I wish they brought him back. I'm not rooting at will for him. But I think the majority of Mets fans, and I, I try to be careful in saying this isn't just judging Twitter, but unfortunately, that is something we look at. It seems like most Met fans hate his guts. Most yeah. Met fans say he hated New York. He couldn't wait to leave. He faked his injuries. But there's no reason to He's hate this him. And that. In my opinion. I agree. Bro, I agree with you. He took the most money. You got to forget about it. Did you hate Robbie Cano? No. How I, could you? He took the most no. money. And I then, agree. Then we heard that, like... <laughs> They didn't have the uh, Dominican food out there that he likes. <laughs> he wasn't feeling it. I'm like, well, what'd you expect? What'd you expect? You went to Seattle. I'm never going to be staying up to watch Robinson Cano's at-bats against the Angels. Goodbye. And I, I mean, I joked with you. I'm like, we ended up with Brian Roberts, your cousin, uh, at second base the next year. <laughs> but it is what it is. We moved on. And uh, now when you look at the Robinson Cano story, his best years were with the Yankees. They, you, it turns out that the Yankees made the right decision. They made the right Now, move. in the moment. Were you no, okay? I was mad with, at Jay-Z. Were you mad at the Yankees, though? Because the Yankees could have been higher. They got up it. At the time, the Yankees went that next offseason. They got Masahiro Tanaka, Brian McCann, Carlos Beltran, yeah, Jacoby Ellsbury. Um, yeah, Jacoby Ellsbury was the essential replacement. Essentially was the replacement for Robbie Cano. They just spent the money elsewhere. So I couldn't be that mad that you didn't. You didn't pay the money for Robinson Cano because maybe you knew something that we maybe you knew about the PEDs. Maybe clearly you knew something that we didn't know. Uh, I, I love this swing. I love how he played. It was he was so smooth. He went and repped us at the home run derby. He was the guy, right? And he was a young guy. Mm -hmm. But that ended. Jay Z, Rock Nation, they took him to Seattle, and I was mad at Jay Z more than Robinson Cano. I'm like, they're just gonna get the biggest money that they can get for him. And the Yankees have made a hard line to hey, you're our guy. This is what you're worth. We're not paying anymore. So long. And by the way, most guys do that. I mean, Aaron Judge, I, I guess I give him credit. He took less to stay. The San Diego Padres were clearly willing to go further. But most guys are just going to take the biggest contract. And I don't blame guys for doing that. That's the nature of free agents. Well, for the Yankees, you got to care about your legacy. And I think Aaron Judge has spoken to the fact that he's a Yankee. And he cares about only wearing that one hat and the pinstripes. And now he's the captain. He never really was going anywhere. He just needed the Yankees to put respect on his name, and they did. And that's their fault that you it were, cost them $150 million above what they thought they were going to pay him opening day last year. You weren't year. worried when Arson Judge was headed to the Giants for those 35 seconds? It wasn't a part of you saying, I appreciated oh, that. I appreciated uh Shout-out to John Heyman forever for that one. <laughs> that was the greatest pump fake of all time because every Yankee fan felt what it felt like for a few minutes. We thought We thought we lost Judge. After the season he had, we 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 got to feel that for about four minutes, and it didn't feel right. And then I think that swung things in the Yankees' favor. I remember, have. and I hate to keep going back to Cashman, but I remember watching coverage of winter meetings, and they're asking Brian Cashman, like, "Hey, when are you meeting with Judge?" There's rumor that the Judge is coming. Well, you know, the player I haven't been in touch with the player. He's a free agent. He's your guy, right? 
You have his number? Text him. Call him. How do you not how are you not aware of what Judge is doing? Someone can steal him from us. And when that didn't go down, I literally set the clock in my head. I'm like, oh, the Giants have about 24 hours to make this report right for this to be correct. If if not, it swings in the favor of the Yankees. Hal Steinbrenner in Italy. <laughs> yes. Wait, you said Arson what? Arson <laughs> Aaron Judge? He meant Aaron Judge to the Giants? We didn't hear any of that. Get Aaron on the phone with me now, please. The rest is history. Imagine opening day at Yankee Stadium nope. March 30th if Arson Judge nope. is being announced as a member of the San Francisco Giants. Nope. Don't have to imagine <laughs> that. I, I know. Unfortunately, I may have to imagine Jacob DeGrom walking through that door in August as a member of the Texas Rangers. Yeah, we play everybody now. Another change to baseball. I can't wait to see what that's like. I haven't decided if I like that or not. I, I think I'm yet. like back and forth. Yeah, I kind of have to see it, really. Let's go to Josh in New Jersey. What's up, Josh? Hey, um, so I was actually at that Oliver Perez game uh, that you were talking about, and um, I took it as an advantage to walk around the field because I, like you, don't like to miss a second of a game, whether I'm at the game or watching it or, you know, whatever. So I said, this game doesn't count. Oliver Perez is god-awful. And I walked around the entire stadium, and it was great, you know, getting to see, you know, brand-new city field. Um, So that was very exciting. But um, one of the other reasons why I call this, I never call when Craig is there because he would make fun of me for this. But um, I have my three kids in the car. One, my daughter's name is Brooke. I named her after Brooke Lopez. <laughs> my son's name is Jacob. He was named after Jacob DeGrom. Oh, my God. You're and a man of my heart, bro. Real one. <laughs> His middle name is Daniel, and he is named after Daniel Murphy. Wow. So, but unfortunately, he's a Yankees fan somehow. He's six years old, wow. and he roots for the Yankees. So wow! I somehow converted, but yeah. I don't think Craig would have made fun of you. I don't. No, I actually really? changed my mind. No, he would. He would. I think that's awesome, though. That's tremendous. And I want to make something very, very clear. My son is not named after the New York Jets. I know people like to think that it fits very well. It's just a cool name that starts with the letter J. Yeah, that's just the way it I is. Roll. A cool name. And as he gets older, he can decide. Like, if if the Jets are better, which they should be better by the time he's older, so. with some of the guys that they have on this roster, he can walk around and say, yeah, I'm Jet, named <laughs> after the New York Jets. <laughs> by the way, you're not going to know what this means, and that's okay. At some point on this show, and I think Big Mac and Lugie will get it, I'm going to give you the Puerto Rico test. All right? This is a very – people are going to learn a lot about you when you take the Puerto Rico test. Been there once. You guys have no guys idea about the Puerto Rico test? No idea. Rico. Oh, really? Didn't I know we? about the annexation of When Puerto you announced Rico. that I was joining WFAN and taking over the night shift on this show, Tommy called me. I was in Puerto Rico Were with you? my wife. Yeah. Okay, great. The Puerto Rico test has nothing to do with Puerto Rico. All right. Just a nickname for a very important <laughs> test in which we're going to learn a lot about Keith McPherson. We'll do that a little bit later on. You don't want to miss the Puerto Rico test. Let's go to Corey in Virginia. What's up, Corey? Uh, doing good. Uh, I'm a, uh, now transplant in Virginia in the last 10 years. I still go up to Met games. I had season tickets, weekend season tickets. Evan, I used to sit right by you and your dad when you were young. He used to yell at you about using the copy machine too much to make uh, scorecards. I don't know <laughs> if you remember those. I sat right next to you in the in the field level over there. Um, I got married at Chase Stadium in 2000. I have a daughter named Shay, by the way. Um, if I had another son, I would have named him Seaver, uh, just to add to your conversation. But I'm a baseball traditionalist. But just go back on YouTube and go watch the 1955 World Series. Go watch games in the 60s. These guys never stepped out of the box. So all these people saying, oh, this is taken away from the pay- – games were two hours and two and a half hours. I used to take my son every weekend – since he was three years old up until we moved. And I remember the first time I took him to a basketball game down here, a UVA basketball game, right. and it was over in two hours. He goes, that was fun, Dad. It was only two hours. <laughs> Nobody wants to sit for four hours, especially if you enjoy going to bat and practice and you enjoy trying to catch foul balls and bat and practice and all that stuff. They get – it. We well, have to come up to speed. Well, and, and, and let me let me let me just correct you on this. I I wouldn't mind. I don't think Keith would mind sitting at a game for four hours if there was four hours worth of action. If it was a thirteen inning game that took four hours, there's a chance we're going to say, yeah, that was great. It's when you give us the same amount of action, except you spread it out over a longer period of time, because batters are taking their time and pitchers are taking their time. And I did a little research because I'm that weird. 
But I think this is interesting research, and I'm going to do it for you so you don't have to do it. That's my attitude on life. You can make fun of me all you want for this research, but I guarantee you're going to tell your friend at the office tomorrow about this, and you're never going to have to look it up because you're going to trust Uncle Levin. Are you ready, Keith? Because yeah. you're going to use this too. Sure. I went back and looked at some of the biggest moments in baseball history. I went back and looked at Carlton Fisk's home run in the 1975 World Series. I looked back at Mookie Wilson's at-bat against the Red Sox in 86. I even looked back at Mike Piazza's at-bat against Mariano Rivera in the 2000 World Series. Hate to be a jerk. I looked back at Luis Gonzalez's at-bat against Mariano Rivera in the 01 World Series. And I played a game. I said, how long did it take in between pitches? Because one of the arguments I've heard is, what about those dramatic moments? Late in the game, World Series. I just gave you five of the most dramatic moments in the history of baseball. What if I told you that every single pitch with men on base, because all those situations except for Fisk had men on base, they would have been fine with the pitch clock. What if I told you that in the Mookie at-bat, here was the time in between pitches. And remember, first and third, game six of the World Series, the Sox are a strike away from winning, an out away from winning. Here's the time in between pitches. 11 seconds. Not bad. Nine seconds, 16 seconds, ooh, 11 seconds, 13 seconds, 13 seconds. Then the wild pitch, then there was a mound visit. 19 seconds, followed by nine seconds. Every pitch in the Mookie Wilson at bat fit the pitch clock. Carlton Fisk, 8.5 seconds. Luis Gonzalez against Mariano Rivera. After Luis called a timeout, he did. 10 seconds. Piazza with Rivera just made it at 20, right at the buzzer. Every big moment in baseball history, at least the ones I looked at, all were fine. Didn't need a pitch clock. That's the point. They didn't need it because they were fine in those moments where guys were working faster. So for anyone who tells you this line of BS of what about the great moments, what about the World Series, what about this, what about that, here's a simple answer. We never needed a pitch clock because everybody was throwing the baseball or getting in the batter's box in an amount of time that made it acceptable. With the world watching, it's the World Series. You know, we're not we're not randomly at Kauffman Stadium and it's uh, Royals versus White Sox in August where everyone's just sitting in the sun. Like, let's go. There, there already was a pace of play, a sense of urgency. That's all I keep saying around the pitch clock, a sense of urgency. It makes it urgent. You are competing. These pitchers are trying to get a strike by you. These hitters are trying to get on base. And in the biggest moments, I would hope that somebody at Major League Baseball did the work that Evan did, and they said, hey, this is where we're going to set the pitch clock, and it's not going to change the big moments. These guys in the beginning just have to get acclimated to it, and off we go. We're off to the races with it. Yeah, it's why the pitch clock is not something new and generational. The pitch clock is getting us back to where we should be. That's what I'm saying. Seeing it is the thing for me. Yeah. Just don't show people. Show it in spring training, but I get that. if it's not on the screen, it, it will become something that we don't even think about. You don't think about, like, okay, before a delay of the game, it's the same thing in the NFL. Before a delay of game, you see the clock pop up where it's like, hey, you got to get the ball off. But you don't, you're not thinking about the play clock when they have time. If they want to flash it when it's seven seconds that's or fine. less, that's fine. That's fine. I don't know the right answer for that. You know, you want to only wait till there's seven seconds left, or you want to show it at all times. I haven't formed an opinion on it yet because it's only been a couple of days. But the one thing I know is that the pace of play is freaking awesome. And it's what it's baseball help. was supposed to be. That's what it meant to be. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... You deserve this ice-cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.